This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. In Scripture, we are given three categories of music, the new song uh, that we used to worship our Lord with. And the new song, according to the Bible, is new in quality. It's new in every way. God created music. Satan was the master musician in heaven, and he has ruined music uh, in many regards. Uh, But when we get saved, the Lord gives us a new song. And that song consists of psalms, literally Israel's songbook, uh, the psalms that are in our Bible, hymns, which are anthems. They declare directly worship to God. And then spiritual songs, that's what we just heard, testimonials of what God has done for us as we sing back praise to him. But the new song, according to Colossians, is the word of Christ dwelling richly. There's a lot that passes for Christian music today that's just repeating fluff. It's what it is. They may talk about Jesus, but you could also sing it to a lover. That's not the new song. But it's the word of Christ dwelling richly. And so even as we heard that message in song this morning, I was listening to biblical truth. Is it the word of Christ coming out? Is it doctrine? Is it the substance of God's word being proclaimed? And it was. Even the phrase, the altar of grace, is that an accurate statement? It sure is. Because we're told to come boldly before the throne of grace and that's our altar today we're not sacrificing anything but we come before the one who sacrificed himself for us and we find all the grace all the enablement that we need and that is reason to give worship and praise to our God thank you ladies for that message and song uh, this morning I want to invite you please to take your Bibles And I'm going to have you turn as we begin today to John's Gospel, John chapter 6, and we'll get there in just a moment. But on this Lord's Day before Thanksgiving, it's important that we be reminded that this holiday that we're going to celebrate this week is rooted in the truth that we should give God thanks for all things. Now that's not always easy. In fact, the Lord prompted me in our prayer sheet this past week to put in there, thank God for the elections. Now I didn't go exactly like I wanted it to, but should we not give thanks to God? All right, if we're going to, if God says it and we're to obey it, we need to do it. All right, so we gave thanks to the Lord for that. It's also important that we realize that what we've even said in this service already today about Thanksgiving is what the founders of this country understood along with the pilgrims. I don't even know when we celebrate Thanksgiving how many Americans even think back to the pilgrims or know who they were. It used to be that all of us were taught this in school, and it was a positive thing that we were taught. Uh, Not so much anymore. 
And so let me give us a bit of a history lesson this morning to remind us about why we celebrate Thanksgiving. And this is our history. This is true. The pilgrims left Plymouth, England on September 6, 1620. Their destination was the New World. These were separatists. They loved their neighbors. In Europe, they ministered to their neighbors. And yet, they were burdened because their king was demanding that they do things that were contrary to the Scripture. And so for conscience, they, they wanted to worship God according to conscience. And then they were also concerned about the worldly influence on their families. And so uh, they left England, went to Holland, and the influence on their families there was even worse. And so with their pastor, they decided, let's try the new world. We understand now, even based on their writings, they were following the leading of God. Although filled with uncertainty and peril, the New World offered both civil and religious freedom. And so for two months, the 102 passengers braved the Atlantic Ocean to come to these shores. How many of you have seen in person the replica of the Mayflower? All right, several of you have. It's not very big. I don't know where they put all those people, and I wouldn't want to spend two months on the open ocean in that craft, but they did. Finally, directed by divine providence, and they talked about that, they heard the cry of land. They arrived in Massachusetts late November, and the pilgrims sought a suitable landing place on December 11th, just before disembarking at Plymouth Rock. They signed the Mayflower Compact. And what that compact was was really an agreement between these pilgrims and their God about how they would govern themselves and how they would honor him. It was America's first document of civil government, and it introduced self-government to these shores for the glory of God. Now, after a prayer service, the pilgrims began building hasty shelters for the winter. However, they were unprepared, and starvation and sickness took a harsh toll. Nearly half of them were dead by spring. Yet, persevering in prayer and assisted by the Indians, they reaped a bountiful harvest the following summer. The grateful pilgrims then declared a three-day feast starting on December 13, 1621, to thank God and to celebrate God's blessing with their Indian friends. Now, that's the history. There's a lot of other stuff out there. The pilgrims were not invaders. Now, while this was not the first Thanksgiving in America, in fact, going all the way to back to 1607, Virginians... We're celebrating Thanksgiving in this state. But this was America's first Thanksgiving festival. Pilgrim Edward Winslow described in his journal the Pilgrim's Thanksgiving in these words, quote, Our harvest being gotten, our governor sent four men on bird hunting 
so that we might, after a special manner, rejoice together after we had gathered the fruit of our labors. They four, these hunters, in one day killed as much fowl as served the company almost a week. Many of the Indians came amongst us, and their greatest king, Massasoit, with some 90 warriors, whom from these days were entertained uh, and feasted. And they went out and killed five deer, which they brought, and, almost, and although it be not always so plentiful as it was at this time with us, yet by the goodness of God we are far from want. That's what he wrote. Thanksgiving in this country continued in 1789. Following a proclamation issued by President George Washington, America celebrated its first day of thanksgiving to God under its new constitution. That same year, the Protestant Episcopal Church, of which President Washington was a member, announced that the first Thursday in November would become its regular day for giving thanks unless another day be appointed by the civil authorities. Yet despite these early national proclamations, official Thanksgiving observances usually occurred only at the state level. Now much of the credit for the adoption of the later annual National Thanksgiving Day may be attributed to a woman. Mrs. Sarah Joseph Hale, the editor of uh, Godley's uh, Ladies' Book, it's probably pronounced Godies, okay, uh, for 30 years, she promoted the idea of a National Thanksgiving Day. In fact, she contacted president after president saying, we need to do this. Until President Abraham Lincoln responded in 1863 by setting aside the last Thursday of November as a National Day of Thanksgiving. Now this is where the theme of this morning's message begins to come into play uh, and, and into clarity even in a greater way. Over the next 70 years, presidents followed Lincoln's precedent, usually declaring a national Thanksgiving day or annually declaring that. Then in 1941, Congress permanently established the fourth Thursday of each November as a national holiday. And that's why we're going to celebrate what we will this week. But Lincoln's original 1863 Thanksgiving proclamation came, spiritually speaking, at a pivotal point in his life. So Lincoln was really the first president that made this national, made it official. During the first week of July that year, 1863, the Battle of Gettysburg occurred, resulting in the loss three days, if you can imagine this, 50,000 American casualties. It was a bloodbath up there. Four months later in November, Lincoln delivered his famous Gettysburg Address. It was while Lincoln was walking among the thousands of graves there in Gettysburg that he commented or, or that he committed his life to Christ. And again, this idea that our presidents didn't know God, they were deists and so on. Read the history. Not the history books. Read what these guys wrote. 
and it'll tell the story. This is where Lincoln commented. He wrote to a friend, when I left Springfield to assume the presidency, I asked the people to pray for me. I was not a Christian. When I buried my son, the severest trial of my life, I was not a Christian. But when I went to Gettysburg and saw the graves of thousands of our soldiers, I then and there consecrated myself to Christ. If you read what Lincoln wrote after this point in his life, I think we're going to see Abraham Lincoln in heaven. But thanksgiving came from those who understood there is a God. He needs to be reverenced and obeyed, and we need to give him thanks. As Americans celebrate Thanksgiving each year, we ought to retain the gratitude of God or to God demonstrated by the pilgrims and the founding fathers. However, we live in a land where liberal elites who have hijacked the education system are teaching a false history that is not our own and denies the God who gave us this great nation. Today, the land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride, we sing that, don't we? has become a land of the unthankful and the unholy. And God said in these last days, that's what mankind would be. I think sometimes this land started by those who knew God were out front leading in the paganism. So brothers and sisters in Christ, our illuminated lives, when we come to Christ and the Holy Spirit turns the spiritual light on, those of us who are illuminated should be different. A regenerated heart is a thankful heart. Why? Well, not just because we understand how blessed we are with heavenly and earthly blessings. Not just because our Lord requires it. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 does remind us, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. We should give thanks. A Christian giving thanks, though, goes far deeper than these things. And so today, we need to see that grateful hearts and lips are part of our new nature in Christ because it is the nature of Christ. It's who he was. Have you ever considered that Jesus, the perfect example for all things, right? No sin, perfect example. If you want to know how to live, what to do, Look at Jesus. Have you ever considered that he gave thanks to the Father? And this week as I was meditating on that and in the word, it, it just, it really gripped my heart. Jesus gave thanks. If you're saved in Christ, you are a thanks giver. If you are a Christian who is a complainer, you are not representing rightly who you are in Christ. So today, consider with me the truth that Jesus gave thanks to the Father. I've entitled the message, Divine Gratitude. Not gratitude for the divine, the fact that the divine gave thanks. Divine gratitude. 
It's in our Bible. Let's look at it. Have you thought about the truth that Jesus gave thanks to the Father, though he too is God? They're one. Now, as we consider this, let's talk about, let's look at from Scripture the fact Jesus gave thanks to the Father. What did he thank the Father for? Well, you're in John 6. Look at verse 11. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise to the fishers, or I'm sorry, likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. So on two different occasions, Jesus, using a little bit of food, fed thousands. One time, 5,000. Another time, he did it and, and fed 4,000. As you look at those two accounts in the scripture, every time Jesus did this, he stopped and gave thanks to the Father. Uh, one, uh, one time it says that he gave thanks, another time it says he blessed what was there. It's the same concept. He uh, pronounced a blessing as he gave thanks to the Father. Now the obvious application is this. Since Jesus knew the need to give his Father thanks, Thanks for daily provision. Should we not also do the same? If you and I could have been there that day as Jesus took bread and broke it, I would have liked to have seen this. He broke it and there's more bread, and he broke it and there's more bread. And All right, who is doing the miracle of making the bread? Who's doing it? Okay, God, Jesus. So he's doing it, but who did he thank for the bread, the Father. Now again, you, you, you got to pause and just, just meditate on that for a moment. But, but if Jesus knew the need and he wasn't just, this wasn't just showmanship, it was real. If, if he gave thanks to the Father, should you, not, you and I not give thanks for all that we have? We should. We should. And by the way, what Jesus served up was miraculous. The disciples didn't run to Walmart. They brought what they had, and it was really nothing. Here are thousands. But what everybody ate was miraculous. Every blessing you have that you should be, thank, be thankful for, it's a blessing and a and a miracle too. Somebody says, well, I worked for it. I earned it. Okay, well, no, our very existence, our ability to live and work, and every provision that we have is graciously a miracle from God. So I go to work, I earn that. Who keeps your heart beating so you can go to work? Who gave, you that, who gave you that job? Who kept you safe on the road to get there? Well, every good and perfect gift comes from God. And yet, Jesus didn't just thank the Father for daily provision. We find in his word also that he thanked him for prayers already heard. Now, I hope, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, you've... <laughs> 
the Holy Spirit is, is allowing you to be illuminated today uh, through the working of a spirit who leads us into all truth. Because what we also see in this regard of Jesus praying to the Father is profound. Jesus thanked the Father because his prayers had already been heard. Now, where do we find that? You're in, your, you're in John's gospel. Would you turn over to chapter 11? Go to chapter 11. Now, you'll, you'll remember that John 11 is where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. A couple days before, Jesus has heard Lazarus is sick. So a messenger comes, delivers the message, and Jesus doesn't drop everything and go to Bethany. He waits, and we know now from Scripture he waits for his friend to die. He's sick. The disciples know, well, we, we need to get there. Jesus tarries. All right, so that's the background. Now look in John 11 at verse 41. Jesus arrives. He's outside the tomb of Lazarus. Then they took away the stone. Jesus said, take away the stone. They took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said... Notice, Father, I thank thee. For what? That thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hurtst me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. So Jesus is praying out loud, and he's thanking the Father that he has already been heard for praying. Here's what's interesting. Scripture doesn't tell us when our Lord offered up that prayer. Okay, The prayer that he's thanking the Father for hearing, he doesn't tell us when that happened. Perhaps Jesus prayed back in chapter 11, verse 4, after receiving the news that Lazarus was sick. We also don't know exactly what he prayed but it had to include the miracle that was about to happen. As I studied this, read, read commentators on it, uh, there, there's some consensus that the father told the son what the plan was going to be. They talked about it. Jesus prayed. And then Jesus requested that the father's will would be done, which included raising this man from the dead. The result was Jesus delayed, Lazarus died, and Jesus went and raised him, raised him up. Someone who can raise the dead is thanking the Father for being heard in prayer. That's the essence of this, folks. So Jesus' example reminds us not only to thank the Father for answered prayer, but we need to thank the Father that he hears our prayers and will answer. It's, it's exciting to have praises in our prayer sheet and to share with each other. Listen how God answered prayer. But do you thank him for hearing because he is going to answer? That's what Jesus was doing here. What faith. Perfect faith. 
Do you thank the Father that he hears you as his child and that he has promised to answer? Do you thank him for that? Jesus thanked him for that. What a reminder about prayer. When I talk to the Father, first of all, Lord, thank you that you hear. You hear me, and Lord, you're going to answer. And here's what you said in your word, and that's why I know you're going to answer. Again, I remind us in the context of John 11, every answer is a miracle. Jesus raised the dead, and he had talked to the Father about that. When you pray to the Lord, do you expect miracles? You should. By the way, every answer to prayer is a miracle, right? But, but do you expect God to do the miraculous when you pray, Lord, thank you, you hear me, and Lord, I know you can, and here's what I'm asking, because you do miracles. Christ living in the believer causes a regenerated nature that gives thanks for being heard, receiving miraculous answers, and that is willing to believe God for miracles. This is a rebuke to my own prayer life. Lord, here's my request. We'll see what happens. No, 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 no. Now, we don't say that, right? Lord, thy will be done. I, you know, I, I don't, I'm really not sure. No, no, no. What does he promise? Talk to him about what he promised and expect. Ask great things of God. Expect great things from God. So we know Jesus gave thanks to the Father. This was his divine nature. Yet there is something else that we need to consider. Jesus gave thanks from a perfect, grateful heart. What does a grateful heart acknowledge? You can't study Jesus praying to the Father, giving thanks to the Father, without seeing what Jesus acknowledged about the Father. Here it is. If you want to write it down, make note. A grateful heart acknowledges that every gift is from God. We've already alluded to this, but let's take a close look. Please take your Bibles, turn now to John 17. John 17 is our Lord's high priestly prayer. As he is with the disciples just hours before the crucifixion. In his prayer, Jesus acknowledged that what he had was from the Father. So listen to what he prayed in John 17. Look at verse 7. Now they, he says to God, his Father, now they have known that all things, now that all, okay, it is a common Greek word used over a thousand times in our New Testament. But it, it's a, word, a common word that means all, or it's a word for the whole, everything. It can refer to something inanimate or something animate. All right, living or not living. And as you study this word, it refers to all those things. But when the Lord says here that all things, and he's going to say they're from you, that's, that's what he's referring to. So just generally, everything again is from God if it's good. All right? So let's pause for a moment. Jesus not only thanked the Father for all things, but acknowledged 
that the Father was the, was the source of all good things. Our Lord understood the reality of James 1.17, and we know the doctrine of inspiration, James 1.17 is the Lord speaking. Every good and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. What does that mean? It literally is the Father of the lights. What are the lights? The stars. All right, so the one who created the heavenly bodies gives you every good and perfect thing. He's the source of it all. Now, sometimes we think, my car's broke, Lord. I've been to this many mechanics. I don't think it can get fixed. Time out. Are you talking to the one who made the stars or not? Okay, your Toyota is no threat to God. Well, maybe a Toyota, but no, 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 no. <laughs> Somebody says, a Ford. Don't go there. Okay, all right. He made the stars. He created you. And it's to promise to supply all your needs according to not your riches, but his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. That's who we're going to. He is the source. John the Baptist preached this. A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Yet in John 17, the all things that Jesus was saying the Father had given him include some remarkable things. I want you to look closely at the text. The Father had given him you and me as his children, his disciples, his sheep. We're going to see this. The Father had given the Son to us. All right, we've been given to the Son. But do you know who gave Jesus to us? The Father. Now think about that. Does God really love me? He gave you his Son. And again, the scriptures remind us, will he not also with him freely give us all things that we need? Of course. Those are the promises. What else did the Father give? We'll read in the text, the Father has given us his word. Hold up your Bible. It's not just a book. It is the mind of God to you. You are holding a treasure. The Father gave you that. Now listen carefully to what Jesus prayed and you'll see everything I just mentioned. Whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee, for I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. And they have received them and have known surely that I came out from thee. So there's the word and there's the living word. Those are the gifts that we've received from the Father. And they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou gavest me. All right, we've been given to the, to the Son. For they are thine. What a text. What's Jesus just acknowledged? The treasures that we have as God's children 
all from the Father. So a regenerated heart is a grateful heart, and it acknowledges and gives thanks for every spiritual blessing. When you give thanks, do you take time to give thanks for your spiritual blessings? I mean, I should thank God for everything here, but everything here is temporal. But what I have in Christ, it's eternal. And oh, by the way, I'm going to thank the Lord forever for the eternal. Jesus would acknowledge this through his teaching, John 6, 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come unto me, and him that cometh to me I'll in no wise cast out. See, what's he saying? Those that I'm going to receive, they're from you, Father. John 10, 28, 29. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand hand every day we need to say lord thank you for saving me if you've put your trust in jesus christ and you ought to thank him lord and there is nothing in this universe that can snatch me out of your hand what a blessing by the way there's more doctrinal proof that if you come to christ for salvation you can't lose your salvation because that means that somebody could pluck you from the Father's hand, and that's you plucking yourself because, because of some sin. No, you can't do that. And oh, by the way, if there's some sin that can cause you not to be saved, then Jesus missed sins when he died on the cross. It is finished is not true, and he'd have to go back to the cross. That's ridiculous. So Jesus acknowledged that his own body that would be sacrificed to secure our salvation. That's from the Father as well. You can note this reference, Hebrews 10.5 records for us another prayer of our Lord. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, when Christ came here, he said, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared for me. Jesus is saying, This body, Father, you gave it to me through the work of the Holy Spirit, so that I could sacrifice it for the salvation of the world. Now what Jesus prayed, Hebrews chapter 10, and by the way, the Gospels don't tell us that he prayed that. Hebrews does. And when he prayed that, it was in fulfillment to Psalm 40, verses 6 to 8. That's what Jesus prayed to his Father. Now, all these blessings from God the Father overwhelmed the Apostle Paul later when he wrote to the Ephesians, and Paul is an example of our kind of praying in light of all this spiritual blessing. I want you to listen to Ephesians 1 and verse 3. In fact, in your devotional time, you ought to pray this back to the Father. As Paul is about to consider all we have in Christ. In fact, by the end of Ephesians 1, he just breaks forth. He breaks forth and prays. Okay? He can't contain. But here's what he says in Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, listen, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Paul got it. Why is it in the scripture? Because we need to get it. That's, it. that's who we are in Christ. Because everything is from the Father. So this morning,
we've considered a subject that we often don't think about, but we need to. This Thanksgiving Day, oh, let's remember to thank God. Well, wait a minute. That's true, but, but there's a whole lot more to it. If you're a Christian, this is your new nature. You can't help it. It's who you are to give thanks. Even though there are a lot of things that will distract. Football, food. And there's nothing wrong with those things unless they take you away from who you are and what you should do that day and every day. If Jesus gave thanks for daily provision and for being heard by his Father with whom he was one, so also we need to give thanks. Now, if you can possibly be here Tuesday night, please be here. This has been quite a year. All kinds of unexpected things have happened. And yet, can we see the hand of God? Do we have reason to give thanks to God? we can't fit enough testimonies in one hour on Tuesday night. If God's people are yielded to the Spirit of God and their new nature in Christ begins to express all that we have from heaven. But the Lord wants to hear that from us every day. Our new nature, regenerated, blood-bought, spirit-indwelt, as children of God, ought to break forth spontaneously with praise. And our thanksgiving also comes from a heart that acknowledges every good and perfect gift is from above, including our most important spiritual gifts. I hope this morning the scripture has convinced us, especially through the example of Jesus, let's give thanks. Father, we come to you today with grateful hearts. Lord, what you've bestowed on us is amazing. While we were yet sitters, made ourselves the enemies of God, through our sin, you gave us your son, and with him, more spiritual blessings than we can recount. And Lord, you graciously gave us your word to reveal these to us so that we can read them, meditate on them, and give praise. Now, Lord, would you make us a thankful people, a grateful people? That's our na new nature. But Lord, help us to so walk with you that Christ shines through us and a heart of praise and thanks. Now, Lord, as we close out the service, would you help us to recommit ourselves to giving you the praise and the thanks you deserve?
that this Thanksgiving would be exceptional and that we are committed and devoted and giving ourselves to thank you. And Lord, today if there's anyone here who doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, any, any thanksgiving, Lord, uh, it, it has to come from somebody who really doesn't understand unless they come to know you. And so would you bring them to salvation today? We ask that you'll work now in these closing minutes that we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.